For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. This is the Byron Pringle Fan Appreciation Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Verderam. Matt Verderam. We're here at the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. The Chiefs are six and one, and Byron Pringle is the new favorite son in Kansas City. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good. It's a pretty rare day when the offense doesn't play well, at least by its own standards, and you score 43 points. So I think the Chiefs, I think all things considered, you win the game by 27 points. The offense really did not do much of anything after the first drive, uh, and no injuries. So that's about as good a day as you're ever going to have in the NFL. Yeah, it was kind of a weird game. We'll get into all of it. But first, Verderam, I need your help. You're a NFL mastermind, and I've got a bet, okay? So I did a 14 parlay today. I bet on uh, – uh, well, it doesn't matter. I bet on uh, four teams. I've won three of my games so far, and uh, my last game here is, is the Seahawks against the Cardinals that are playing uh, – get about to play right now. So I picked the Seahawks just to win. Straight up. Now, it's a $25 wager. If the Seahawks win, I get a payout of 112 bucks. Okay? Now, DraftKings is offering me a cash out right now of $67. What should I do? Should I take the money or are the Seahawks going to win? No, what are you, soft? I, the, the, you, take the, <laughs> you take the damn Hawks to win. You know what? They're off a bye, and Arizona can't stop them. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think a lot of points are going to be scored. No, I would, I would uh, roll it. If, if it was a situation where you had some crazy bet and it was like you were going to win five grand and they were offering you like $3,500, I'd say, hey, maybe just walk away and be happy. But uh, nah, what the hell? Roll the dice. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I, I felt pretty good about the Seahawks. The game that I was a little bit on the fence about, I picked the Chargers over the the Jaguars. I pretty much figured they would win, uh, but it was a little closer than I would have liked. Actually, the game that I wasn't worried about that nearly lost it for me was the friggin' Jets at the, uh, <laughs> the, yep. the Jets almost beating the Bills. I w- we'll, we'll get maybe get into the Bills a little bit later, but they are not playing well right now. You know, Josh Allen's maybe shoulders a little bit messed up, but yeah, not not what you wanted to see uh, if you're the Buffalo Bills. But they did get the win. Okay, so. I saw this tweet and you retweeted it. This is from Sean Keeler of the Denver Post, I believe. He uh, said, a quote from Garrett Bowles, the Broncos, I, on, on what separates the Broncos from the Chiefs, he said, I think we're neck and neck. 
but that's just me personally. I don't think there's anything that makes them more spectacular than us. Now, I'm reading this right. He said this after the game, correct? Yes, yes. Is he on drugs? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I get it. You're not just going to be like, oh, we're terrible. Okay, fine. But you don't think there's a difference? I mean, he's never made a playoff game appearance ever since he's been on the team. They've never been to the playoffs. The Chiefs have been to the playoffs every year. They just won the Super Bowl, and they just beat up on Denver again. By the way, Garrett Bowles has never beaten the Chiefs. Um, you don't think there's a difference? Look, let, realistically, there's a lot of differences. The biggest difference right now is Denver's quarterback is not good. It's not good. I mean, we, we can parse this a million different ways. Drew Locke is just not going to be a top-tier NFL starting quarterback. It's not. You, do I think he's got a career in the NFL? Maybe he's like a guy like a Chad Henney type? Yeah, probably. He's Trevor Simeon. I mean, that's who he is. Again, I'm not trying to kill the kid, but, like, he's inaccurate. You know, a little mobility, but nothing crazy, right? Like, you know, he's got a good, strong arm, but he's he's a first-read type guy. I mean, Kansas City basically dropped seven in this game, tried to take away the first read, and made him scan the field. And he, he couldn't do it. It just killed him. It was they're, – they're not going to win big while he's the quarterback. I'd be very surprised. Yeah, he, di- he didn't look great. Made some plays here and there, but I agree. Not what I think the Broncos want to see long-term under center. Okay, so let's get into the game, all right? Chiefs 43, Broncos 6, 16. Um, the, the DraftKings line when we recorded our podcast on Thursday previewing this game was Chiefs minus 9.5. Boy, I'll tell you what. If, if the Chiefs had what I think we'll all agree is a, is a, a ho-hum sort of subpar offensive outing tonight and uh, they beat the Broncos 43-16, to 16. what in God's name are they going to do to the New York Jets next week? Yeah, listen, I mean, right now, I think it's fair to say that the Chiefs probably played a B game today. I mean, they were very good defensively. I know they gave up over 400 yards, but let's be real. I mean, a lot of that was just fluff. It, they, they were never in, in any kind of threatening position, or at least threatened position, I should say. Um, And that line, by the way, dropped all the way to seven points at game time. People were betting on Denver like crazy to cover the spread. Um, And part of that probably was the weather. You know, you have the snow and it's it's 10 degrees outside and all these things. The Chiefs didn't play well offensively. He dropped a touchdown pass, three sacks. Uh, actually, I think four sacks. I think Henny had one of the sacks. Um, you know, Mahomes only threw for 200 yards, one touchdown, nothing. I mean, that's a half for him most games. But their defense was great. Butker did miss another extra point, which is becoming an alarming issue here. But you know, they, they hit on all their other field goals and, and extra points, and, and they had a special teams touchdown. They're not even playing by their standard A games. They're not. The only A game they've played all year is Baltimore. Houston, maybe you want to say A minus, B plus, somewhere in there. They're dismantling teams, and they're not even playing all that well. Like, that would be the thing. And I, and I get it. The Broncos aren't that good, but I mean, the Broncos just beat the Pats up in Foxborough. Chiefs destroyed Denver in this game. No Watkins, no Schwartz. Denver got healthy. Didn't matter. The Jets have absolutely no shot. None. Zero. Like, Kansas City could roll the balls out and beat that team by 20 points. So, it's just a great position. Yeah, offense not great tonight, but it was a weird game. I mean, they only had 51 plays. They, they never really had a chance to get into a rhythm. There, there were a lot of turnovers, so they, 
yeah, you want to see them capitalize off those turnovers, right? When they they get the ball and they're in in Denver territory and not have to kick field goals, but it just didn't matter. And I think that there was, look, Denver's defense is not terrible. They have a solid defense. Those, Those guys made some plays. The offensive line, they're, they're, the run blocking is, is, is good, but they've obviously got some work to do when it comes to the pass blocking. They've got to learn how to communicate. Some of these guys, you don't have Mitchell Schwartz. The Broncos had some timely blitzes. They missed some, some things. We'll talk about the offensive line in a bit. But it, it, look, <laughs> if the biggest problem right now on the Chiefs is that the offense isn't playing great, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not yeah, worried. I'm gonna... The last thing I'm worried about on this team is the offense. I agree. I agree with you. Right now, honestly, and this is this is like first world problems to the hill. My biggest concern with the Chiefs is Bucker with these extra points, because there's there's coming a game. It's yep. gonna it's gonna cost them. That's coming. Yeah. I mean, you can just see it. A lot. There's gonna be some game where they end up chasing points because he can't hit an extra point. Now, to be fair to the guy, I don't have it off the top of my head. What he hit six kicks today, seven something like that. I mean, he and and, and he was good before, but you you can't miss extra points. I mean, you just I get it. It's gonna happen occasionally. This is now five games here where he's missed them. It's it's way too many. It's way too many. And they were so, cl- like, I I thought he missed a couple of the earlier ones. He hit them well, all the same way, like sort of towards that that right goalpost. And you know they were close, and one finally sailed on him. Yeah, it has to stop. It has to stop. Like he's he's one of the best kickers in football, and he is. He is. But this crap's got us. You got to got to hit extra points. I mean, come on, you're an NFL kicker. These should be 95-plus percent. I mean, there's – I get they're not what they used to be. They're still 32-yard kicks. I mean, 32-yard kicks are made at about a 90-plus percent rate in the NFL. You know, if this was, all, you know, three times a year, I think, okay, fine, that happens. He should be banging these through with regularity. And if normally in a game like that, I say, well, maybe it's the weather. He's been doing this. And, you know, look, he was – he was he made seven of his eight kicks today, which, you know, that's, that's not bad. But as you mentioned, two of the field goals he barely made, and they were short field goals. I think they were 30 yards, I mean, 32. So that's my biggest concern because, def- listen, the, the most underplayed storyline at the Chiefs, they kick ass defensively. They are a very good defensive team. But that gets lost because of all the fireworks and Reed, and they just signed Le'Veon Bell and Mahomes. Their defense is lockdown, punch you in the mouth type of defense. I mean, really, other than the Raiders game, nobody has touched this team defensively. Nobody. And I think you got to feel very good about where they are. Special teams also, they've been up and down this year, really had a very, very strong game today. Let's talk about Andy Reid. Andy ties Paul Brown for wins. And next week, when the Chiefs beat the New York Jets, he'll tie Curly Lambeau. That's absolutely incredible. How underappreciated is Andy Reid? We know how appreciated he is in the league and among analysts. I, I Don't hold me to this. I didn't look this up, but I don't believe he's ever won Coach of the Year. Is that is that right off the top of your head? I think it's right. Um, I'd have to I'd have to double check that. It's but an, I it's think, an easy Google. Yeah, it is. Um, and I'm doing it right now. I think I don't know if he ever if he did it, it would have been that 2013 year. I would think when the Chiefs went from two and fourteen to eleven and five. But Andy, look, he's the kind of guy who sneaks up on him because he's just so incredibly consistent year in, year out. Uh, he was the AP coach of the year 20, uh, 2002, the Eagles. Okay. So okay. Um, 
And he was named the Sporting News Coach of the Year in 2000, 2002, and 2018 for the record, but only once, you know, in the NFL awards type thing. Um, Andy Reid now has 213 wins. Here are the guys who are ahead of him. Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, and as you mentioned earlier, Curly Lambeau. If Reid coaches for five more years and averages 11 wins a season, okay, and let's just, let's just say he finishes, let's say he wins seven more games this year, puts him in even 220. That would put him ultimately at 275. That would tie him with where Belichick is at now. So obviously Belichick will win a few more. He'll finish at worst, you know, fourth all time. I mean, he's like like you said, he's got two thirteen that ties him sixth overall of all time with Brown. Curly Lambeau is two twenty six. He'll pass him next year. Tom Landry is two fifty. So and, and Lambeau coached thirty three years. Brown coached twenty five years. Landry coached twenty nine years. This is Andy Reid's twenty second season. So it, it's an incredible job. Um, Give him, give him all the kudos. Andy Reid is a first ballot Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder, like, man, do you think this season might put Belichick out of the league? I, I doubt it. I, he's this is what who he is. He loves the coach, and I'm sure he probably doesn't want to go out with what looks like it might be a, a losing season if they don't turn it around. The, right. the Patrick, the Patriots are not good. They, they are not good. No. Cam Newton's not right. Uh, they're they said. I guess they said after the game they're sticking with them, but they they got to look at maybe they have to. I, but but what are you going to do? I mean, we saw the we saw the backups when the when the Chiefs played the Patriots. They don't have anybody. Uh, right, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad in New England. I, I there was a time just a couple weeks ago where you and I were happy that the Chiefs had a tiebreaker with New England. Now I don't even think they'll make the playoffs. Only thing that matters out of that now is it's just a conference win, right? I mean, that's the big thing. Right. So, um, no, listen, I think you know to, to spin it back here on the Chiefs. If you're Kansas City, you're a fan of the team, and obviously we all are here, they're 6-1 and one going home to play the Jets. They're very healthy, right? Like Watkins, Schwartz should be back here soon. Kalen Saunders comes back today. Um, that's nice to see. No injuries that we know of coming out of the game against Denver. You know, the Chiefs here now go home for two games to play the Jets and the Panthers. Panthers have been plucky, 3-4, and four, but plucky. Uh, and then the Chiefs have a bye, and then they get Sunday Night Football at the Raiders coming out of that. I would imagine the Chiefs are going to be amply motivated to see the Raiders after their uh, victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium, who, by the way, spent all week talking about how basically beating the Chiefs was the greatest thing they've ever done. It was their Super Bowl, and then just got absolutely blown out of their own building by Tampa Bay today. So good job by them. Um, no, if you're the Chiefs, you're in a great spot. Like Tennessee lost its first game of the year, losing to Pittsburgh, right? So Pittsburgh goes to six and zero. Chiefs stay even with them in the win column, one you know half game back. Baltimore's idle, so you gain a half game there, and you have the breaker. Uh, you jump over Tennessee. You're now a half game ahead of them. Tennessee gets a conference loss. I don't think there's any team in the AFC East who scares you. The Chiefs just beat the Bills up, and the Bills just barely beat the Jets, which not great. The AFC West is effectively over. They're up three and a half games on Denver and the Chargers, and they've beaten them both on the road. And the Raiders, who they didn't lose to, they're two and a half up on. I don't think the Raiders have any shot of catching the Chiefs. So as long as the Chiefs play good football down the stretch, they're going to at worst be a two-seed. At worst. I know Tennessee Tennessee's not going to catch the Chiefs. If the Chiefs win 12 games, Tennessee's not doing that. So I think you got to feel pretty good. I mean, you want to argue the worst case still a three-seed, maybe, but I, I I would be shocked if Kansas City does what it should do here down the stretch. I do not think anybody outside of maybe Pittsburgh or Baltimore could could beat them out. 
Yeah, the bad teams in the NFL this year are really bad. Like the bad yeah. teams in the AFC are, are really crappy and it's caused some other teams like, you know, no disrespect, but like the Bills, even the Browns the, the, to, to maybe look a little bit better than they actually are early in the season. And I think as we head into the second half of the year here, we're going to start seeing some separation. So let's get back to this game. It was kind of a weird game, right? Like the Chiefs had a pick six, they had a kick return for a touchdown, they recovered a couple fumbles. There was a turnover on downs. They kind of couldn't get into a, a rhythm offensively. Um, but the running game looked good. Clyde edwards helaire didn't get a ton of work, but he had eight carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell, we got to see a little preview of him. He's not had a lot of time to practice with the team. He had six carries for 39 yards and, and looked, looked good. He looked energized, had a couple of nice runs, showed a little bit of his customary patience behind the line a couple of times. What did you see with the running game today, Verderam? What did you think of the six carries from Le'Veon Bell? I was happy with the running game. I mean, she just ran the ball for 101 yards, 4.6 yards a carry. And by the way, that includes a bunch of kneel downs at the end of the game. Before that, the Chiefs were averaging well over five yards a carry. A couple of touchdowns. Chad Henney with the rushing touchdown. Didn't see that coming. I was very happy with that. I thought Kansas City did a hell of a job running the ball. And, you know, you're right. I mean, they, they really didn't run it a lot, only 22 times. And again, that four of those carries are Chad Henney. So, um, you know, when the game was in any kind of doubt, they ran 15 times between Edwards and Lair, Bell, and the one reversed to Hardman to start the game. Thought they looked good. Uh, you know, they, they blew open some holes again. Denver played them more balanced, more straight up, and they still were able to move them. Um, Edwards and Lair, I mean, that, that touchdown run, you're not going to see much, many better runs of 11 yards than that. Broke five tackles. And Bell looked terrific. A lot of burst, a lot of, you know, a lot of juice. I, I thought he looked fine. Didn't look washed up to me. So if you're the Chiefs, uh, you got to be happy. They, they looked good, and you know. You, if you know anything about the NFL and the way the locker rooms work and the way teams work, Le'Veon Bell is going to be seeing the ball next week, especially near the goal line. That's coming. That's coming in spades when Kansas City's down there against the Jets. Yeah, it's, the, the, the Chiefs may not need to throw a pass next week, to be honest with you. They could just hand the ball off to Clyde Edwards-Elair and Le'Veon Bell the whole game and probably win by three touchdowns. Uh, so let's talk about the defense tonight. Um, really, I thought a solid performance. They did struggle a little bit with Philip Lindsay, who – uh, Daniel Sorensen lit up a couple of times. He had a concussion. He was out. So I hope he's okay. Uh, you and I talked about Lindsay earlier in the week, and, and you said, and I agree, Lindsay's the best back on this team. Yeah. He demonstrated it early in this one. Melvin Gordon's a very good running back. Don't, don't get us wrong on that. But like he was not effective today. The Chiefs did a good job of bottling him up. Lindsay was, Lindsay was breaking loose on them a little bit and looked like he might be a problem before he went out of the game. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that? Is that just... He's, he's a little bit speedy, you know, made a couple of plays. Chiefs defense doesn't care if you run on him. Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid said something last year. I don't want to misquote the guy, but he, I'm paraphrasing. He basically said, we don't care about team running the ball. It just doesn't really matter. Not, not in most situations. And I don't want to say that, you know, Denver doesn't get kudos for what they did. I mean, they did run the ball effectively. And, and you know, Lindsey was really running the ball effectively. And, and Gordon was... It's fine. He was solid. It's four yards of carry. Um, but Denver scored 16 points, and seven of those were you know, garbage time, doesn't matter type points. You're not going to beat the Chiefs if you don't force mistakes, avoid them yourself, and make big plays. You're just not. 
I mean, the Raiders are a talented team that played about as well as any team could ever play against the Chiefs. The Chiefs played like total crap and lost by eight points. You just, I actually look at this game to use this game as the example. The Chiefs did not play well offensively. I don't want to say they were horrendous or anything, but they were, by their standards, average to below average. It doesn't matter. And and again, I'm going to go back to it again. It's because their defense is kicking ass. They're not going to lose many games when their defense is playing like this. I mean, Locke went 24-40 for 254. That's 6.4 yards in 10. That stinks. They sacked him three times, no touchdowns, two picks. The longest play in the game was 27 yards at the, in that first scoring drive for Denver to Tim Patrick, which I think if Andy Reid challenged, it, it would have gotten overturned. Yeah, it was, it an, was incomplete. an incomplete pass. I, I love Andy. I don't know why he didn't throw the flag there. Drew Locke this entire game completed two passes that went 10 yards or more in the air. You have no shot beating the Chiefs playing like that. Zero. Especially when they, they turn you over four times and a pick six and run back a kick for a touchdown. But And that's why, to me, the running game for Denver, it's fine. But like, it, unless you're doing it situationally, you know, third and one, third and two, you're constantly staying on the field. It doesn't matter if you have first and ten and rip off a five-yard run. Nobody cares. You need to get points. And the Broncos could not consistently muster points. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit more about the offense, the offensive line, and who a guy who maybe is the most, I don't want to say hated because that's a, that's a strong word, but the, uh, the guy that she stands are most annoyed with right now, that's Nick Kaiser. We'll be right back. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. All right, we are back. You're listening to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Okay, let's talk about that offensive line, Vertoram. Mahomes got sacked three times today, and what really annoyed me about all three of those sacks were guys, and I think it was Bradley Chubb twice, just running totally unimpeded right at Patrick Mahomes. He had no chance to do anything, and he's getting hit hard. What's going on with this offensive line? Was it just these? a lot of these guys are new, you're interchanging pieces, they're missing assignments, but like, can we please block for Patrick Mahomes? Okay. So I knew we were going to talk about this. Like I have come ready mentally. So one of the sacks was Andrew Wiley just refusing to block his guy. That's not great. Can't happen. The first sack of the game was down in the red zone on third down. I believe it was third and four. Chiefs go empty. Bell, uh, I shouldn't say, they, they eventually went empty because he swung out of the backfield. So they, they had just five guys in the block. Um, that was a hot for Bell, and he didn't turn around. If Bell turns his head around, if you look at that play, Mahomes has his arm half cocked. He's ready to throw the ball. The offensive line did exactly what it was supposed to do. The rule of thumb when you're on the offensive line, first of all, and I won't get too into this because it'll just bore people, but the, you know, the quarterback gets up to the line of scrimmage or you know, gets, in a, gets into a stance, looks it over, calls out the protection. In this scenario, on that first sack, Denver is bringing an overload blitz from the right side. Mahomes correctly slides the protection to the right. So he knows that the guy coming off the left, in this case Chubb, is the free rusher. The offensive line did everything it was supposed to do. They only had five guys in. Denver brought six. There's going to be a free rusher no matter what. You always want the free rusher to be the outside guy, which he was. If Bell turns around, it's a walk-in touchdown. Unfortunately, he's been there for like an hour. He didn't know it was a hot. He didn't turn around. And Mahomes smartly just ate it instead of trying to force and throw or whatever. There was another play also where Kaiser gets beat for a sack off the edge. Okay, that's something that you can't have happen. 
So two of the sacks, I believe, were on the line. The other one really wasn't. I thought the line was pretty good overall. I didn't think they were bad. Most times Mahomes had time to throw the ball. I thought the run blocking was fine. They, they ran the ball well. Allegretti did a nice job again inside. Uh, but they miss Mitchell Schwartz. I mean, let's be honest. They, they, you know, Remmer is nothing against him. He's a fine player. He's a good swing tackle, good guy to have in the interior. But if Mitchell Schwartz is there, one of those sacks doesn't happen. You know, I, 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 think, that, I think the line was okay. But you know, they, they just had some, some breakdowns of communications, and you know, that's what happens. And to some of you all out there, I know a lot of people are a little bit nervous because the offense hasn't been putting up a lot of fireworks displays this year. And listen, they're fine. You know, even in this game, uh, uh, this will go, I think, missed by a lot of people. But Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to Clyde Edwards-Zolaire that he just dropped. Yeah, he dropped. And he was, yep. he was backing into the end zone, and he just dropped the touchdown pass. So, you know, some of those things happen, in a, especially in a weird game like this. The offense is, is going to be fine. They'll get Mitchell Shorts back. They'll it's be the right. little stuff. It's the little yeah. stuff. Edwards Alaire drops that touchdown. Bell has a walk in touchdown if they if they communicate correctly there. Like yeah. how different does the game look then, right? <laughs> like all of a sudden that's fourteen points instead of six. By the way, that would have given the Chiefs fifty one points. Three touchdown passes. I mean, nobody nobody's sitting here talking about the offense. The offense, as you mentioned. They are the absolute least of my concerns. Zero, like, could not can tell you how how less concerned I am. They they're going to score points whenever they need to. Typically, you also have to keep in mind too. Teams are playing them differently, which is fine. Teams are basically saying run the ball out. Well, guess what? The Chiefs are. They're dominating. They're just running the ball at will. Their offense will be okay. I have a feeling they're going to get very well here uh, in a week. I think it's important to remember, too, now that the Chiefs have a, a really great shot at having a dynasty. They've got their franchise quarterback for many, many years into the future. Things are going to – the offense was going to – it's going to be different every year. They're going to have some personnel that's a little bit different. They're going to be going up against different defenses, different teams. It's not going to be all Mahomes lighting it up like he did in his first year. You're still going to have these occasionally explosive plays. Think about New England over the, the past decade plus, right? They won all kinds of different ways. They won with great defense. They won with explosive downfield plays. They won with two tight ends. They won with guys like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman eating you alive underneath and these crossing routes and things like that. As long as the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, their offense is going to be fine. They're going to score points. Don't worry about it if they're not putting up. Like, we're a little bit spoiled, right? Like, there's just a little bit of an element yeah. here where, like, we're, we're, we scored. 40 some points on the Broncos and mile high. And like, we're sitting here like, ah, the offense didn't look very good. Um, I know it wasn't all the offense that scored the points, but yeah, we're, we're going to be okay. Um, one more thing on the offense, McCall Hardman siding today, two receptions for 57 yards, had a nice run. Wasn't out there racking up a lot of catches, but to be fair, there wasn't a lot of catches to be racked up in the offense. Are you still worried about McCall Hardman? We didn't see Demarcus Robinson, I don't think, at all today. I'm not, because I don't know what people's expectations are for McCall Hartman. Guys, I got news. I got news for you. He's on an offense that, when at full strength, has now Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards on Lair in the backfield. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins. When they're healthy, realistically, at best, what is he, their fifth best target? Fifth best weapon? Like, and that's not a knock on Hardman. He's fine. But Hardman's more of a complimentary player. I believe if he was on, the, on a team where he was a number one or two guy, he'd probably be a little overwhelmed, but he's fine. He's a good player. 
if if McCole Hardman has 600 yards receiving this year, that's fine. Like I, I think because he was a second round pick and he got taken ahead of DK Metcalf, people just automatically assume he should be this dominant player. And I'm I'm sitting here looking at his numbers and saying, all right, the guy right now after today, I'm just doing a little quick math in my head. He has 251 yards receiving. He's on pace for about 600 receiving yards this year. What is wrong with that? Like, I, I just, I don't understand. Like, if the guy is around 600 receiving yards and five touchdowns, which is also what he's on pace for, it's pretty damn good. Like, if that's your third receiver, especially in an offense, by the way, that has a tight end that's going to go for 1,300 yards, like, that's fine. I have, I have no concern about McCall Hardman. He's done exactly what they need him to do. It's not like he's out there dropping passes and taking a bunch of penalties. Then I'd be concerned. He's not doing that. He's, he's been a guy who's a spark plug for him. And, oh, by the way, last year in the playoffs, McCole Harden made some of the biggest plays of the whole year for them. So I, I don't see any issue. Yeah, sure. You'd love to see him go for 1,000 yards and 80 receptions. That's not who they're asking him to be. They, they don't need him to be that. They have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. They just need him to be dependable, and he's been that. So I don't, I don't get the McCole Hardman angst. The Nick Kaiser angst, I get. I don't get the McCall Hardman next. Yeah, well, let's talk about Nick Kaiser. Now, he was, now let's be fair, the third leading receiver on the Chiefs today was Nick Kaiser with two receptions for 36 yards. That's more than Travis Kelsey, who only had 31 yards receiving. Uh, what's going on with this Nick Kaiser guy? I mean, people on, people on Twitter, myself included, are just irate. It really had a really bad fumble, basically led to Denver's you know, first touchdown there. Uh, yep. early in the game, missed a block, got Mahomes sacked. Like people are like, he's trash. Cut him. What, what do you see? You're you're an X's and O's guy. What do you see when you watch Nick Heiser? So, first of all, people who scream and yell to cut a guy, like it's a guy's livelihood. It's his job. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have to be better. It's a performance based business. But like, calm down a little bit. Secondly. Do I think he should be out there? No, I don't. I, th- I think he's a special teams player. And oh, by the way, for everybody who's screaming out about how much they hate Nick Kaiser, go look at the kickoff return for Byron Pringle and go find who made the biggest block on that whole return. It was Nick Kaiser, who blew a guy out of the seam and, and basically had Pringle run right off his ass 102 yards for a touchdown. So the problem right now with Kaiser is it's an attention to detail thing. He first of all, he's all for Matt. He he really shouldn't be on the field. He's probably a third tight end. Okay. Dion Yelder, in my opinion, should be getting those snaps. Number two, what are the two mistakes Kaiser's made so far? The big ones. And the, he he drops a third and twenty against the Raiders, should have had it, fumbles the ball this week. That's attention to detail. High and tight with the ball, see the ball in. These are things that are certainly correctable, but they'll they'll kill you. As a as a player in his position. In, in his station on the team, those kind of things will get you run out of town. You cannot do that. They missed another, you know, blocking assignment. I don't want to say it was just on him. I'd have to see the replay. But he was certainly in the area. He was part of it to give up a sack. Like, you get Patrick Mahomes hit like that, you're going to be on the bench. So I think he does add value in special teams, but that's where he should be. And I don't particularly put that on him totally. Like, the coaching staff should be able to see enough of this to just go, right, you know what, he really probably shouldn't be on the field offensively. Like, you signed Ricky Shields-Jones in the offseason. Where the hell is he? He's an inactive, essentially. Like, where, where is he? So, it, between him and Yelder, those guys should be seeing more offensive snaps 
Uh, or hell, go make a trade. Like, go get a second tight end. It's not like it's going to cost you a ton to go get a second tight end. I think that's what the, the Chiefs, you know, problem is. And Kaiser just, he's overmatched and he's just made some focused mistakes. And those kind of mistakes kill you when you're not an elite player. David Njoku wants out of Cleveland. I don't know how he's more of a, I think he's, he's a really athletic guy. He's more of a pass catcher. I don't know that he really fits in with the Chiefs for what they want to do, but he is one guy that could be on the block. Good in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely an athletic guy. Okay, so got a couple of awards to give out here. The first, this is a new one. We haven't done this one before, but I thought it was appropriate. I'm calling this one the Bobby Scipio Award for Underdog Wide Receiver Excellence, and that is going to Byron Pringle. Vertoram, let's talk about Byron Pringle. He's the most popular guy in the Chiefs kingdom right now. After last week, we were getting questions about him. He comes in this week and gets a 102-yard kick return for a touchdown. They, they had him out there returning kicks you know, along with McCole Hartman. Do you, you think we see more Byron Pringle? Are the coaches happy with him? He's earning more time? You better. Yeah, after, after that, 102 yards. Now, granted, nobody touched the man, but he did make a nice cut and broke it up the left sideline. I think you should see some time in, in that regard. Yeah, why not? Like, you have a 102-yard return. You better at least see a few more. I mean, geez, right? That's, I'm not saying, you know, bench Hardman or something. Hardman's a pro Bowl return man from a reason. But, yeah, I'd give Pringle some looks. I'll say one thing for Byron Pringle. He's not the most talented guy. I know he's a fan favorite for a lot of Chiefs fans because he went to K-State and everything else. The one thing about him that I appreciate is you, you do not see him make mistakes. He does not hurt them. And that goes back to what I said about Hardman. Now, look, Hardman's a second-round pick. He's got a higher expectation level. I get that, and rightfully so. But right now with the Chiefs role players on this team, and Pringle's certainly one of them, the biggest thing you have to do is not make a big mistake. Their star players are going to win them the game 99 times out of 100 or you know thereabouts. You can't make the big mistake, and Byron Pringle never seems to make a big mistake. You go back, look at the Super Bowl, the game-clinching run, where's Byron Pringle? Blocking a corner right off the field. Go to this game in Denver, game that, you know, let's face it, in a month nobody's going to remember. What does he do? Huge, huge return for a touchdown. Really kind of starts flipping the game's momentum, putting it away. That's that's winning football. But like, when's the last time you watched the play of Byron Pringle and started going berserk watching him on TV? Never. Doesn't screw up. And that's why he's on the team. That's why he's getting increased playing time. Yeah, he, you know, Google tells me he has a he had a four four six forty. I'd like to see the next-gen stats on that kick return because he looked like he had some wheels, man. He was moving. Maybe the other guys are just slow. It's hard to tell, but he looked like he was zooming around. I'd like to see how fast he, he was going there. He was great. Yeah. All right. Then our second award here, this is the – I think this is the first time we're giving this award out. This is the Brody Croyle Award for being a disgrace to the position of quarterback, and this one goes to Drew Locke. Drew, sorry, man. Your, your numbers look a lot better than you actually played because you got a lot of garbage time yards. But I actually tweeted out at one point during the game who put helium in Drew Luck's football because he just hit a wide-open guy and he just threw the ball about 30 yards over the guy's head, sailed out of bounds. He's, I don't know, man. Like I remember last year when the Chiefs smoked the, the Broncos 
during that snowstorm and I saw these Broncos fans saying, Oh, it's, it was throw that game out. He played great. That was a, that game was in a blizzard. And I was like, well, Patrick Mahomes played pretty well in that game, even though it was a blizzard. Like he had a couple throws sail on him, but we talked about this earlier in the podcast. It doesn't look like maybe Drew Locke is the long-term answer here. He's got a young offense. Let's, let's give him that. He's got a, Patrick, a lot of you don't even have to waste time. Him. He's not the long-term answer. <laughs> I was just going to save you. Th- he's he's not trying good. to be fair to the kid. He's not good. Listen, I'm not going to pile on the kid. He, he just, he's not good. He's inaccurate. He's an, how many times now the Chiefs played very well defensively, so I'm not gonna I'm not trying to take it away from the secondary and the, and Spagnola's plan, which I thought it was great, by the way. Spagnola basically was like, Yeah, go ahead and beat us. We're gonna drop seven guys in the coverage, we're gonna rush four, we think we can get pressure anyway. Go ahead. And he had no answer for it. But he's inaccurate. And the other problem with Locke, and you see this a lot out of young quarterbacks, and I think it's the biggest problem a lot of guys have, and unfortunately it's hard to grow out of. He's very much a guy who if the first read's not there, you can almost see the internal clock speeding up. And there's like a panic level about him. Oh, my God, that's not open. What am I going to do? And on the broadcast, they talked about it. Spagnuolo told the broadcasters for the game when they had their meetings, like, yeah, you know what? We pretty much feel like we take away his first read. He's in trouble. And they did that. And you saw a lot of plays where he just – he doesn't look comfortable. The arm arm mechanics are off a little bit. The ball sails. It's just – I think he'll be around in the league because he's got a big enough arm. He's a big kid, but there's just, to use the old expression, there's no there there. There's just not. Like, he's not – you don't go into a game and go, oh, my God, Drew Locke, how are we going to stop him? Yeah, they're young, but they have talent on that team offensively. They do. they got a couple of good backs. Fant's a good tight end. Judy's a good receiver. Patrick's a good receiver. They, he he can't, can't play. So – they see Kansas City in a little over a month on Sunday Night Football at Arrowhead, and I would expect pretty much a repeat performance because he's just he's lacking severely in some areas that if you're lacking at all, you're going to have a very hard time being a competent NFL quarterback. It's a thing that it's – it's a trap that fan bases fall into, right? We, we used to fall into this trap all the time because when you don't have a good quarterback and somebody comes and they, they have like a couple of decent games, you know, then you, you we had Chiefs fans sitting over here, the, oh, maybe Tyler Thigpen's the guy. Tony said we shouldn't uh, – you know, we should bring back Tony, yeah. Tony Gonzalez says we should bring back Tyler Thigpen. But you know it when you see it, right? When you, when you flip on an NFL game right now, there's other young quarterbacks in the league. When you watch Justin Herbert play, when you watch uh, Joe Burrow play, you're, you're like, yeah. okay, these guys, they keep their eyes downfield. They don't seem rattled by pressure. They go through progressions. That's, you know, that's the difference between a guy like Drew Locke and a guy like Matt Castle, who are nice players, maybe backups to Chad Henney. And, and guys who are going to last in the league. And when yes. you watch this guy play, you're just not seeing that. You're just not seeing it out of him. And that's, you know, not everybody gets to be a starter. There's a crop of new quarterbacks coming in every year. Nope. Absolutely. I agree. They, they are going to have to find another long-term answer. If I'm wrong, hey, I'm wrong. God bless him. I just don't. I don't see it. I didn't see it last year. Everybody freaked out because he went 4-1. and one. I watched every one of his snaps. He played a decent game in Houston. Other than that, he was terrible. They won the games because defensively they were able to make big plays and turn the ball over. He's just not that good. I'd be very, very surprised he's their long-term answer. Yeah, Damon Heward won a few games too, but not a guy you want to start for your team long-term. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to get to some fan, uh, some reader questions, uh, listener questions. You guys are listeners. You probably read the website too. We'll get to some listener questions, and uh, we'll do a quick standings update for you, and we'll get the hell out of here. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, we are back. You are listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're going to get to some 
reader questions there, Vertoram. We tried something different this week. We actually put out a Google form because I got kind of tired of trying to copy and paste Twitter questions. Um, so we got a few submissions from you all. Keep in mind that you can always leave us questions if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the podcast. We've got links all over the place for that. So head over to Apple Podcasts. That's where you can subscribe to this podcast. You'll be able to find out about giveaways and some other cool stuff that we're doing. You leave us a review, a written review, leave us a question at the end, and we will answer your pod, your question on the podcast. All right, let's get into it. Listener question number one comes from Carson Brown from Lee's Summit. Carson asks, do you think the offensive struggles were more of Reed outthinking himself or the donkey defense just playing well? Also, why did we keep leaving Lyman unblocked? I think we already sort of covered a lot of this, Carson, but it was just a strange game. The offense, Verterim, you pointed it out earlier. They need to do the little things a little bit better. They need to not drop passes. They were in a lot of really advantageous situations there. But all in all, like <laughs> they scored a ton of points. Mahomes still threw for 200 yards despite not really needing to, not getting a lot of opportunities. It was just kind of one of those funny games where the offense just didn't need to do a lot. You got other guys scoring points, right? Look, Denver's a good defense. Denver has good defensive players, and they see the Chiefs a lot. So, you know, those teams are always going to be harder on you because they're just used to seeing you. They're not as intimidated by you. Um, I thought Andy was fine. I didn't have any problem with Andy Reid's play calling. I, I thought he was fine. They, they just, again, and thanks for the question, Carson, but they just missed on little things. I mean, Edwards Alaire catches that touchdown pass. It's, an, it's a walk-in. Le'Veon Bell, same thing. You know, he doesn't read a hot read, right? And that's something that, you know, he's, he's been on the team for a week. He'll be all right. He'll get it. He's a veteran. He'll pick it up. Um, I just thought it was a lot of little things. Uh, and, and listen, they're also down their best offensive lineman. They're down Sammy Watkins. And people can say whatever they want about Sammy Watkins. The difference when he's on the field and he's, when he's not, their offense operates at a different level. It does. Go look at the numbers. Like, because he opens everything up for Hill and Kelsey. You can't double-team those guys. If you do, Watkins will kill whoever your third corner is. So that's not an excuse. But all in all, they scored 29 points on offense. I mean, I get it. They had some situations where they were gifted, you know, some field position. and They'd be the first to tell you they should have played better. But I also thought it was interesting. Mahomes after the game talked about the fact, you know, when I was younger, I might have forced some passes. In this game, I knew we were playing well defensively. I didn't have to. And that's one thing, that, and I'll be the first to admit, I, I have to adjust this a little bit too at times as a, as a fan of the team. They are so much better defensively than they were when he first showed up that it's a different deal with them now. They don't need him to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. They don't have, like, it's a great tool to have in the, in the toolbox, but they don't need him to do it. Like, he's smart to just go, look, if I throw for 200, just fine. As long as we win, who cares? You know, I always, like, I'll, I'll, I know I'm going off here, and I'll, I'll wrap up, I promise. In 1968, the Jets were, basically what the Chiefs are now, right? These great offense. Joe Namath was like the early answer to Patrick Mahomes. And his defensive teammates wanted to kill him because for the first half of the year, he kept throwing pick after pick after pick. Now, Mahomes never did that, but the point I'm driving at is, is as the year wore on, Namath, by the way, the year prior, became the first quarterback ever to throw 4,000 yards of the season. In 68, he kept throwing for a lot of yards the first half of the year, but he kept turning the ball over, kept putting their defense, which was very good in tough spots. The moral of the story is, is the defense finally sat him down and literally were like, look, man, we don't care if you throw for 80 yards. Stop turning it over. He stopped throwing for 300 yards. He didn't throw for 300 yards for like a month and a half. They won every game. The point is, as long as Mahomes just 
plays within the framework of the offense, if their defense keeps playing like this, they don't need to score a ton of points. They don't, they don't care. They just don't want to make huge mistakes. And so I think, you know, ultimately, they've got to be, as a team, very happy with the way they played on Sunday. Yeah, and this actually plays into our next question. Uh, we didn't get a name on this one, but uh, the person asked, are we just getting spoiled? We talked about this earlier, too. 43-16, and I felt crummy the entire time. I sat through so many games at Arrowhead from 07 to 09, 11 and 12. You know, I think this goes to something that was a clip that was being shared about why Eric Bieniemy is so great this week, and he was talking about yep. the team and that they're just they don't care about individual accolades, they don't care about stats. All they care about is W's and L's. And if they get the W, everyone's thrilled and everyone's happy. And I think that's the personality of this team, and it starts with their quarterback, Mahomes. Does he knows he's great? I mean, he's he's a Super Bowl MVP. He's a league MVP. He's a he has a half a billion dollar contract. He's got a a, a, a beautiful fiance. He's he's gonna have, he's gonna be a father. I mean, this is a man who's got perspective at a really young age. He's got perspective. He's always been super mature, right? So imagine what it's like to be playing with him, to be in the locker room with somebody who has that. He's never seemed arrogant. He's never seemed like he has a big head. People in the NFL and other fans of other teams say things. You see him tweet all the time, like oh, I just wish I could hate Patrick Mahomes, but he's just so dang likable. That, that kind of thing is contagious when, when you know, people take cues from their leaders. And Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, you've just got a really great, great group of leaders on this team. And, and that's not to say about some of these other guys like Matthew and Kelsey and some of these guys that, that bring some more flavor, but also just really strong leadership. This is a strong team. And I think us as Chiefs fans, we have sat through so much terrible football where there was a period for us if they just won the game, like I remember one of my favorite games ever was that game we played against the Bills that went to overtime and we almost tied them. Remember it was on Halloween a few years like ago. the Bills were winless. Yeah, yes. they were terrible. We stunk. We won the game and I was like, oh, this was so exciting. And I remember seeing other people on Twitter being like, oh God, what a terrible game between two terrible teams, you know. But I didn't care. It was exciting and the Chiefs actually won. They, they had lost so much. And I think we're... we're now we're at a place where like, we expect them to win every single game. If they don't win the Super Bowl, right, it's a disappointment. So if the game isn't entertaining, it is kind of a letdown for Chiefs fans, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we, we know we're going to win. We're supposed to win. It's a bit of a mentality change for a fan base that suffered for a long time. Would you agree? Yes, yes. And we're all incredibly spoiled by this thing because they just – they have raised the bar so much. Guys, I remember a couple of years ago when the Chiefs played the Pats in the AC title game. I was thrilled to the point almost of tears, literally, that they were just hosting an AFC championship game. I couldn't believe they were even in the game. Not because they weren't good. I mean, they were great that year. But I just, my whole life, like I started being a fan in 93. Okay, so my first year rooting for them, I was five years old. I remember it very vividly. And they lost in the AFC championship game. And my dad, who I watched every game with, and even this day, even when I'm, you know, now that we live 700 miles apart, we still talk constantly throughout every game. Like, he couldn't be there that day. He had to work. And I remember, you know, I watched the game at home with my mom, and they lost. And, you know, I remember just, you know, I was five, I was crying. And I remember saying, they're never going to get back to this point. Like, it, you know, they were so close. And, you know, of course, my, my oh, no, they'll get back. No, they didn't for 25 years. The expectation now with this team, is like, yeah, you better go to the Super Bowl. Of course. I mean, if they lost in the AFC Championship game this year, how many fans would consider it a successful season? I'm going to go ahead and guess very few. 
the expectation of Kansas City is to kick everybody's rear end and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's almost unfathomable that the Chiefs won't be in the AFC title game. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure, they could get upset, whatever. But I mean, I don't think you'd find anybody on earth who thinks they're not going to be there. And that is just something that is so unique in the last couple of years for Chief fans. And so you see a game like today, they went 43-16 to at Denver. Denver, where for years they couldn't win a damn game. Like, they'd get blown out there. Now they, they, they've beaten Denver 10 times in a row. They destroyed them. That game was never in doubt. The game was over by halftime. And yes, there is a certain level of Chief fans are just being like, yeah, I guess. I mean, Mahomes didn't throw for 350 yards. You're six and one, and you're going to go play the Jets. Be happy because there's going to come a day where we're back to praying to God they just go 500. Hopefully, it's not for all, another 20 years, but it's it's going to happen. So enjoy it. They're six and one. They just beat a division rival like 27 points on the road. Yeah, eventually the music ends and the party's over. So uh, yeah, look, Slip I mean, and, you know, <laughs> right, exactly. You know what? And this team, when they're entertaining, they're so damn entertaining and so exciting that when they have a game where they don't have some just ridiculous play on offense, it does. It just seems like a little like, huh, huh, you know? Yeah, it was a ho-hum game. We're we're good, guys. We're we're really good. Just just throw on, if you you can stomach it, throw on some old uh, Tyler Palco tape or something and and remember uh, what you got going right now. it's incredible how good they are. And I think it speaks to how good they are. You know how hard it is to win an NFL game 43 to 16. I don't care how you do it. 43 to 16. And people in on the, the roof of the team. Yeah. In, in the snow. And people are walking away from the game going, eh, bizarre. I mean, because everybody wants to see that game they play against the Ravens, where they're just spectacular. And it's just, I mean, that happens a couple times a year if you're lucky. Most games in the NFL, or seven to ten points, you know, you, you fight your way through. I mean, I, look, look at Pittsburgh today. The, the Tennessee's a good team. I think a little over their skis at 5-0, but a good team. Pittsburgh's up 27-7. They almost blew the game. Like it, it just and, and Pittsburgh got breaks in that game, too. They had a bunch of special teams plays go their way. The reality is when you win by 27 points, I don't care how you do it, you play a good game as a team. And it's used to so. We got one more question here. Is Willie Gay the best number 50 in Chiefs history? LOL, but he played great. Again, no name on this question. <laughs> yeah, we got a little more Willie Gay out there running around today. Had a few tackles. Yep. Did you see anything special out of him, Vertoram? Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved that he was out there. I uh, got a little bit more run here with the ones. I'll have to see how many snaps he played. Don't have that readily available. they probably be up you know, the next day or two. But listen, he was all over the place. A couple of deflected passes. Uh, you know, made some nice tackles. First play of the game, he met uh, he met Philip Lindsay in the hole and dropped him for a loss. Uh, overall, four tackles, tackle for loss, two pass to defense, like I mentioned. I'll say one thing for Willie Gay. He can move. He's definitely the most athletic linebacker they have, which is why they took him. And I remember when they took him, you know, talking to people with the organization, you know, in, in training camp, saying, hey, what do you see in the rookies? And yeah, you know, different guys get talked up. I remember they were really high on Snead right away, who, by the way, should be back pretty soon. Um, and, and just another guy to add to this team. But, you know, they were high, of course, in other words, in Lair. And then it's like, well, you know, what about Gay? And the, the response kind of was, yeah, well, listen, he's going to be really good. It's just going to take a little time. He didn't have a lot of playing time in college. You're now seeing that. They're working him in. 
Yeah, the athleticism's there. I thought he played very well. I thought it was encouraging, and I expect him to see more snaps here against the Jets next Sunday. All right, let's do an AFC West standings update now. Uh, we're almost to the midway point of the season. Bye weeks are starting for a lot of teams. The Chiefs are 6-1. and one. They have firm control over the AFC West despite their loss to the Raiders, who, as you mentioned earlier, Matt, got their rears kicked in by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. The Raiders are in second place at 3-3. Three and three. The Chargers are – it's hard to say that they're surging, but they're – they're playing well on offense because of Justin Herbert, despite not really having a running game right now with Austin Eckler out. They're two and four, and the Broncos bringing up the rear there at two and four as well. I would not be surprised if the Chargers make a little bit of a run. Their defense hasn't been playing great, except for when they play the Chiefs for whatever reason. But they, they've, if you've got a quarterback in the NFL, you've got a chance, and Justin Herbert is a quarterback. He is. He's very good. And I've written about this a few times for us. I think the Chargers are going to be in the playoff conversation. I don't know if they get there because they're inconsistent. Even that game against Jacksonville, they're up 16 nothing. Then they give up 21 points. But Herbert gives them a shot almost every game. They have a lot of talent. The Chargers are going to stick around. They're going to be around. I, I do not anticipate that team's going to fold the tent. And you look at the AFC right now, just to give a quick broad picture, Buffalo's going to win that division. I don't see anybody beating out the Bills in the East. I mean, you want to say the Dolphins, eh, I think the Bills are going to win that division. I know the Bills are great. They'll win it. Pittsburgh and Baltimore in some order are going to make the playoffs. Tennessee is going to make the playoffs. Looks like Cleveland and Indianapolis probably get in. Then the Chiefs, that leaves one spot. And if you look around the conference, like who uh, – excuse me, I'm sorry. If Cleveland makes the playoffs, that's just seven teams, right? So, ultimately, the, the Chargers probably have to beat out Indianapolis or Cleveland because really – Right now, who else is doing it? I mean, the East isn't that good. The Bengals aren't good. They're more competitive, but they're not good. The Texans and Jacksonville, they're awful. Uh, Denver's not going anywhere. The Raiders, maybe? I mean, the, that's going to be the problem for the Chargers is they're going to have to get over the Raiders. They still do play twice. They're going to have to get past Cleveland or Indianapolis. Maybe they can do it. Um, they're going to have a shot. I, I think they're talented enough to do it, but they did put themselves in a hole by blowing so many big leads early in the year. Yeah, you've got those young quarterbacks in Burrow and Herbert, and their problem is they're just in shootouts all the time. They're throwing the ball a million right. times, which is good experience for them, but their defenses aren't very good, and they're, they play in tough divisions with, with some really good teams. So, I mean, I, Joe Burrow, I think, has played, the exception of the game against the Ravens, has also played really well, but just, yep. can't, just yes. can't, you know, can't get a win. Um, they're not good around them. Yeah. It's, and, it's, you know, uh, by the way, true. on a qu- – on a real quick note, the Chiefs have scored 218 points. Only Tampa Bay scored more. They have 222. Uh, the Chiefs have a plus 75 differential. The Buccaneers are at plus 80. They're the only team that's better. So when everybody starts kind of getting into these, like, well, I don't know. I, I, should we be nervous? They're second in points. And the Bucs scored 45 today, which is the difference in the points because they came in equal. The Chiefs have given up one more point in Tampa. So I, I think – you're in you're in pretty good shape. Oh, and and I think when you look around now, the buys do skew this, of course. Some teams have played lost games, right? but the Chiefs when, when you're outscoring teams by 75 points through seven games in the NFL, that is that's a lot. Like to put that into perspective, Tennessee's plus 35, the Bills are minus four, uh, Pittsburgh's plus 65, so they've certainly played very well. Um a hilarious stat is the Eagles who lead the NFC East are negative 33. But, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's so wow. bad. There but, yeah, the Chiefs, are, they're, they're rolling. They're just fine. Yeah. All 
All right, and let's just look at the AFC the AFC race really quickly with some games still to be played. Obviously, the Ravens run a bye this week. The Steelers currently hold the one seed. They haven't lost yet. Uh, they're at six and zero. I'll tell you, if you look at their schedule, if they if they, if they give the Ravens problems, I'm not saying the Steelers are going to go undefeated. They're gonna they're gonna trip up somewhere. They almost tripped up this week because Roethlisberger was throwing right. interceptions, but. Their schedule is one of the easiest I've seen in a long time since New England's a couple of years ago. They are not playing a lot of tough teams other than the Ravens. The, yeah, maybe the Browns could give them trouble, but they just played the Browns and they blew the doors off them. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's realistic to say. You know, and you're right, Pittsburgh's not gonna go 16 and all. Um, I'll tell you what, though, they're uniquely built to beat Baltimore because they are not giving up yards on the ground. And they're going to make Lamar throw the ball. Here's the problem for Pittsburgh, and it showed up second half of this game. And I've seen it on tape all year long. And I'm waiting. And you're right. You look at the schedule. I don't know who the hell is going to expose it until the playoffs. But if you can block, you can beat Pittsburgh throwing the ball. Pittsburgh's corners are not great. Okay, they have Stephen Nelson, who we all know and, and love here in Kansas City. Stephen Nelson's fine, but he's not great. Joe Hayden is not who he once was. They bring a ton of pressure. They expect to get home. If they don't get home, you can beat them for big plays down the field. That is the one thing that if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm concerned with. Now, you're not facing a lot of teams that can exploit that, but the Chiefs could. Because the Chiefs play them and they block them up. It's going to be an aerial show the other direction. The other thing is Pittsburgh's offense, it's been smart because it's been complementary to a great defense. Roethlisberger has not played very well this year. Like I know you, you say, well, they're six and zero, and they're scoring some points. I watched that whole game. I've watched almost all their games, almost all their snaps. Roethlisberger today, three picks aside, and uh, no, three picks is three picks, but um, he only threw on forty nine attempts for two hundred and sixty eight yards. It's five and a half yards an attempt. That is not getting it done. And he was in a launcher. They didn't get any pressure the whole game. So I, I, I think. The Steelers are the Chiefs' biggest competition, both in the AFC and for the one seed. But there are some little warning signs with them. The offense isn't great. You can beat them throwing the ball if you can block, which is the huge key with them because, man, can they get after the quarterback. But it'll be interesting. Look, they play the Ravens. I believe it's in Baltimore this, this upcoming weekend. It's a huge game. It's a huge game. Baltimore wins. All of a sudden, they're leading the division. And, that, and if you're a Chief fan, that's what you want because the Chiefs own the tiebreaker on Baltimore. You would much prefer Baltimore to be in that number one seed let Pittsburgh go be a wild card team. Yeah, that would be nice. The Chiefs come in number two at six and one. Titans behind them at five and one. Chiefs aren't going yep. to play the Titans or the Steelers this year. So they need a little bit of help from some other teams and they need to keep winning. And then you got the Bills in the four seed at five and two, followed up by the Ravens at five and one. And then the Browns at five and two are the sixth seed. Listen. Out of those six teams, it's the Steelers, it's the Chiefs, it's the Titans and the Ravens. The Bills, throw them out. They're they're done. Uh, they're not done, but like they're they're not a contender. They're not winning the Super Bowl. No, no. no shot. The Browns at five and two. I think it. Well, I'll tell you what, boy. Baker Mayfield looked terrible early on today, and then he ended up throwing five touchdowns. You got to give him some credit. Yes. he's a fighter. He's, he's 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 not played well. He's been making some bad decisions. He lost to Odell Beckham Jr., but. I just think the Browns, like they've already played the, they've played the Bengals twice already. Yes, they can run the football. It'll help when they get Nick Chubb back a lot, but I think they're a one and done in the playoffs. There's such a, a wide gap between 
teams like the Steelers, Titans, and Ravens, and Chiefs, and everybody else, the, 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 some, some other teams have to win games. And that's what you're seeing with teams like the Colts and the, and the Bills and the Browns. And it's really going to come yeah. down to those teams. So it's going to be even, interesting the rest of the way. I'd even briefly argue the Chiefs and the Steelers are the best teams. They just are. If you watch these two teams, they're better than everybody else. And, I, and I'm not saying this biasly, just being honest. The Chiefs are the best team. If Kansas City plays its best game, they're not going to lose. Because if they play their best game, they will block Pittsburgh enough, and Mahomes will just go out of his mind because they, they can't cover. I mean, it, the Chiefs will just throw and throw and throw and throw all game against them. Um, no, but listen, I, to me, Kansas City and Pittsburgh are on their own level. Take a half step down, Baltimore, Tennessee. Then take a giant step down. Like, could Cleveland win a playoff game? Eh, if, if by some chance they drew, like, the Bills in the first round, maybe – but yeah, I agree with you. They're not they're not beating Tennessee, Baltimore, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. They're just not. The defense isn't any good. And again, and against those teams, those those teams all can play some. The only thing with Tennessee does scare the hell out of me. They can't play any defense. I mean, my God, Pittsburgh has has a very limited offense and was just up and down the field, especially on third down. But listen, next week will be interesting. Okay, next week's going to be really interesting. You have a schedule where the Chiefs get a. a a team that, let's be real, the Chiefs are a 21-and-a-half-point favorite against the Jets. That's only the sixth time since 1978 that a team in the NFL has been favored by more than or as many as 20 points. So Kansas City next week gets the Jets. You start looking around the league, okay? I mean, the Browns host the Raiders. One of them's losing. The Pats are at Buffalo. One of them's losing. Pittsburgh's at Baltimore. By the way, I think it should be noted, like normally if you're a home team and it's an even game, you're given three points. Baltimore's favored by five and a half. So Vegas, uh, not believing in Pittsburgh, whatever that's worth. Tennessee's at Cincinnati. Chargers at the Broncos. So there's going to be a lot of games next week where teams are going to, you know, that matter to the Chiefs are going to be losing one way or the other. And the Chiefs get the Jets at home, which is basically the football equivalent of like the free parking spot on the Monopoly board. So... Should should be, in theory, a good week. And let's remember the last time that the Chiefs, it's been a minute, but the last time the Chiefs played the Steelers with Antonio Brown at the height of his powers, Patrick Mahomes threw six touchdowns. And if the Chiefs and the yeah. Chiefs defense, now to be fair, both the Chiefs defense and the Steelers defense are better than they were when they played that game. Yes. But you've got a better coach in Andy Reid. You got the best quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Yes, the Steelers are good, but the Chiefs should be able to handle them. All right, everybody. This has been the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Please keep those reviews coming. They are the lifeblood of the show. They really mean a lot to us. So if you haven't done that yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review. The stars are great, but a written review is really what we're after. And you can follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I am at, at R. Patrick Allen. Make sure to follow Matt Connor, the editor of Arrowhead Addict. He's at, at Matt Connor AA. And of course, you can always follow at Arrowhead Addict. Closing thoughts, Verderam? Six and one. Six and one, baby. We will see you guys on Thursday as we preview the slaughter that is going to happen when the Chiefs play the New York Jets. It's going to be ugly. It's, hey, look, man, it's, you know, it's, it's Halloween week. You know, it's just, it's going to get a little scary in New York, I guess. All right. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on Thursday. And as always, go Chiefs.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.